the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network presents. Take a seat and buckle up, folks, because Chad Allen, Shelly Allen, Zach Romero, and Luna Lynn are here to violate your ear holes with more indie wrestling, pop culture, and pee-pee humor than you could possibly mentally or emotionally prepare for. You're here for reviews, interviews, nonsense, and more nonsense. It's the IndieCast! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. We are starting in the yet unknown series of one-on-one interviews that I'll be doing here. I'm, of course, your host, Zach Romero. And when I decided to embark on this endeavor to have some sit-downs and some genuine interviews with some of the great minds in professional wrestling, I knew my number one choice right out of the gate had to be somebody who I would describe as one of the most creative minds in the Florida wrestling scene, a man who's got a blast and be on the gas Ladies and gentlemen, please put your ears on and welcome to the show, the Captain Aaron Nova. Captain, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for that tremendous introduction. You are like the master of announcing. Uh, thank you. Huge fan of yours. Thank you for having me. This was like a long time coming. I was like, I was waiting for this moment to come, but now I'm here. I'm finally here. The captain has landed on the indie cast. Excellent, excellent. Now, I know this is not uh, like your first podcast in recent memory. You're kind of on a bit of a uh, uh, a globe-trotting uh, press tour, as it yeah. were. So, as is our normal setup here, uh, we want to burn through some of the standard wrestling podcast questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're calling here the lightning round. So first and foremost, uh, when did you debut and who trained you? All right. Uh, the good thing about these is just like, Wrestlers tend to babble when they get asked these questions, so uh, I don't know if we have a specific time frame, but I'm ready to just go off the rails on the crazy train with this one. We're going all out. All the time in the world. All the time in the world. So I first debuted in 2014. I was trained in Ruskin, Florida out of DWI, whose head trainer at the time was Frank Reyes, and then I was with him for about six months, and then I was under Tony Devlin's wing, and been going there for about the rest of the year. So 2014, Frankie Reyes and Anthony Devlin are my trainers. Excellent, excellent. Now, prior to getting involved in wrestling, what is your earliest wrestling memory? Uh, Wrestling is interesting because... I mean, wrestling is this weird, unique thing where it's it's always been around. Like, there's so many memories, mm-hmm. early early memories. Um, it's it becomes clouded after a while, especially after you just like you live it, you breathe it, and it's it's all that consumes your time. Is kind of hard to well, and not to mention the fact that with the the volume of wrestling that you can get nowadays, absolutely, there are things that I don't remember in person, but I know. I would have been watching. Like, I know the mega powers falling apart. I would have been watching that, but I also would have been an infant. Like, I don't remember specifically seeing that on TV, but now that I've watched it after the fact, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, that's an early wrestling memory of mine. So you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. It gets kind of cloudy over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things like you watch back now and it takes you back to when you were, oh, it's like, oh, I remember specifically this day I saw this as a kid and stuff. But uh, for my earliest uh, memory of wrestling, um, Like I said, it's always been around, but the unique for me was, uh, so my family's Puerto Rican. Um, My adoptive Earth family is Puerto Rican. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, they watch the Spanish channels, uh, Telemundo and Galavision. Excuse me. I'm trying to adapt to the Earth the earth language and dialect and stuff like that. So forgive me if my my accent is all those listening. I'm a master of many languages across the galaxy. So, of course, uh, the luchadors will be my first introduction to wrestling. I didn't, you know, it's one of those things that were there. I didn't think nothing of it. But besides the crazy roles and the cool costumes and the masks and stuff like that stuck out to me. But it's one of those things like when you, you first see it, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'll watch this for a little bit. And then. As a kid, it's 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 not on your stationary Cartoon Network channel, so it's it's once it's gone, it's gone forever. You don't know how to pick that up again. You don't know where to find it. True, true, um, yeah. 
there's there's not a lot of object permanence when it comes to TV shows as a kid. You're just like, well, yeah. who knows what combination of time slot and channel that was? I yeah. guess we'll never see it again. It's just it's gone. It's gone forever. But then after, it's just like you start realizing how wrestling has kind of always been there. Like you know, with my older brother and my cousins and stuff like that. Um, always were watching wrestling. I was just never hip to it because as a kid, you know, your mind is always expanding and stuff like that. Just one thing at a time. So once I tripped over Lucha Libre, I started noticing, oh, wait, there's there's this wrestling thing over here too. Like, you know, there's an English version and I picked up on it from mostly uh, my, other bro- my older brother who, who would watch, you know, WCW and, and WWF at the time. Like uh, the Shawn Michaels and, and Bret Hart, um, New Generation Era. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would watch that, and you watch the transition. It was towards the tail end of the new generation, and then uh, into like '97. Probably you become a fanatic around that time because now the height of pro wrestling with the with the Monday Night Wars and like the introduction to ECW. Because you watch, you you know, there's WWF, WCW, and then you stay up late one night, and then you change the channel, and oh, New Jack is falling from the scaffold. Like, what's this? Like you know, falling off. Suddenly there's another option. Yeah, and then it's just like, oh man, there's more of it. So it's just like, it just continuously grows and grows from just watching these mysterious, like, luchadors, and then now we're going all the way to ECW. And then there was just so much of it. It was just, it was, the one thing I've always admired with wrestling was the reaction it always gave the people, like the things it made it do. Like when they pan the, the camera to the crowd and stuff like that, like I was always fascinated with certain reactions and certain like entrances and how it made people react. So earliest memories would be mid nineties right there. Lucha Libre to WWF and WC, you know, the normal stuff that was on TV at the time. That's incredible. So now We've we've been playing nicety nice so far, and, and that was a very heartwarming story. But now I want to try something new here for our third technical lightning round question. What oh. I want I want a real surprising hot take from you. I okay. want who what is something that people may be surprised, other wrestling fans may be surprised to find out. Maybe like oh you know people don't really like this wrestler from way back when, but he was always a favorite of mine. Or everybody thinks this wrestler's hot shit, and I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or maybe it's something not as aggressive. Maybe something like, "Hey, a lot of fans like X. I don't really get it. It's not for me." Give me a real. I want a wrestler kind of hipster take. Okay, uh, wrestling hipster. Oh man, this is a loaded question because there's, there's so many avenues. Uh, one thing I learned about wrestling early on, uh, even before coming into wrestling, is that you know the opinions vary. Uh, there's no right and wrong answer. It's the most subjective sport in the world. Uh, which makes it the most fun because everybody has it's like Pokemon. There's you know, not everybody's drawn to one Pokemon. Like there's there's different variety and different types that people gravitate towards too. For me, um one thing I I I, I don't like deathmatch wrestling, I don't like hardcore wrestling. Um I'm a bit of a germ fanatic and stuff like that. <laughs> okay, which is that's weird. Fair. Like uh I, I never it's not that I, I I understand the the appeal to it. I understand what, like, there is a fan base for it. Like, for me, like, what soured me was, um, uh, I originally stationed in the Bronx, New York, um, when I crash landed on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been there for about many years, and we used to have, uh, this was back when, you know, video rental stores, you know, there was, Blockbuster would be the most known, um, but we had like uh, this re- video rental store course called Star Search, and uh, loaded with movies and stuff like your average video store. You know, you'll have your like movie memorabilia and statues and stuff like that. But uh, they had this one section when you first walk into the right. I remember this vividly. Uh, they had a wall of VHS tape, and they were all wrestling VH- VHS tapes. So uh, when my mom would take us, you know, during the weekends and stuff like that to pick a certain movie and stuff, we would each get like. Uh, me and my brothers would agree on one videotape to rent and stuff like that. So we would uh, rent the wrestling one. And one time we uh, stumbled over, I believe it was IWA Japan, King of the Deathmatch oh, tournament. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this is, you know, with 
Cactus Jack and Terry Funk, which, which was the appeal. It was like, oh, man, Mankind is on this. Like, we have to see what this is, you know? Um, and you saw and, some things. Oh, man, just the first, like, opening package. And it was like when he's walking out with the cross covered in ba- barbed wire and stuff like that. The um, Tiger Jeet Singh with the sword. Oh, man, it was it was... It was wild from the entrances, and then in the opening, they had this video package of what was on the tape, and this was some of the most gruesome, just horrible-looking stuff. I'm like, is this even wrestling? Like, I was familiar with ECW at the time, style of hardcore, and then WWF's introduction to hardcore wrestling and stuff like that. Um, But this was like... I would say this was another level, though. This was like blood and guts and... There was broken glass, there was baseball bats, there was fire, and it was just like, it, it, it took me at least, uh, you know, because my mom got, we had a stomach, it, it took us a while, it took a, a couple, couple of hours to get through that whole tape, but after that, I was just like, well, this just isn't for me, you know, like, like the hardcore wrestling I was familiar with had an entertainment value, they, you know, they, it was, it was, Compared to that way watered down, you know, there, right. there was an entertainment factor to the to the hardcore style I was familiar with. And that was just like it just it didn't make sense to me. It's just like this is this is sick. <laughs> this is just <laughs> this is out of this world. Like, why would anyone have a spike baseball bat? <laughs> Are you trying to kill the person? Like, this is a death. Like, they really like it. Just personified the death term and death match. It was just like man. Do you do you remember how old you were when you saw that tape? Oh man, I was probably about mm, maybe about seven. Oh maybe. boy, yeah, that's very early to be uh, exposed <laughs> yeah, to that. Seven or eight, probably. And that was my my first swing at deathmatch wrestling. I was yeah at an early age, and and I learned from there. It's like, well, this just isn't for me. I just I couldn't stomach it. Like I know, I understand now. Like it it has a cult following, and that's right. You know, there's a hardcore fan base and it's just like you know it's just for me i i can't i can't stomach it so i won't do it fair enough now um that actually leads me to another lightning round question here um what was a piece of we you know we've talked about you know Hmm. being exposed to wrestling at a young age and and kind of seeing in the background and then being exposed to deathmatch wrestling at a young age but around that same time frame we're talking here what was a piece of pop culture that really influenced you? What was something that really kind of stuck out? Because like you said before, when you're a kid, mm-hmm. a lot of what you're watching is just sort of white noise. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of things just to kind of keep you quiet. What's oh, one God. thing that really kind of stuck out to you at a young age that you were like, oh, this is a fond memory of mine? Which, this is also an exercise to see if I just turned into dust. Because <laughs> if you're like, oh you know, cartoon from, like, 10 years ago, and I'm like, oh, I'm ancient, so... Oh, man, I was... a pop culture piece that really kind of sticks out to you? I literally sat in front of a TV pretty much the whole, like, early years of my life, at least, like, four hours a day, which is, like, strange. Like, you see kids now just glued to tablets... Right. And, and YouTube and stuff like that. Like, as kids, like I say, for me, it was no different. Like, I was in front of a TV majority of the day, like, it was school, homework, eat, TV the rest of the night, you know, like that. Um, for me, I think the best uh, pop culture, oh, man, that really stuck to me, would have to be, like, the Saturday morning cartoons era, uh, mm-hmm. which was my version. Because, like, the thing with the 90s, like, the the mid to late 90s, it was... Like, television competition was, like, everywhere. It was literally WWE and WCW everywhere. There was the Monday Night Wars everywhere. It was, it was the, sat- the Saturday Morning Wars, if I, I would call it, is Fox Kids and WB's, WB Kids Very at the true. time. And, and the Cartoon Wars, uh, something like that. Uh, for me, Saturday Morning Cartoons, Power Rangers was always a, a standout to me. Oh, man. Just the, the, the live-action... Live action, the colors, the, the the costumes for the monsters and stuff like that always stuck to me. I always loved, like, just the cheesy, like, I'll go back and watch it now. I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. But as a kid, you just you just eat it up because, you know, obviously. Yeah, it, was, it was high art at that time when you were yeah, a kid. 
this was like, yeah, it was like the coolest thing. And it's just like, man, this, and then you, you, you learn later on. It's just like, it's not even, it's not even from this country. Like it's this, there's a, a deeper layer to it. Like, um, it's stock footage from Japan and stuff like that, but just the cheesy American acting and the, and the cheesy, like catchphrases and, and the, like I said, the colorful costumes and stuff like that and the sequences and giant robots. It was just like, this is, this is the, this is the, this is it right here. This is, this is the future. 20 years from now, we're going to get all this. We're going to have all of our cops are going to look like power Rangers and we're going to have giant robots. And 20 years later, here we are in the global pandemic, you know? <laughs> right, and it's still, and we're still waiting on the putty people. Oh, now, yeah. I'm actually going to change our, our final lightning round question. Normally, it's a different one or the other. But in this case, I'd like to change this up to um, to jump off that point about Saturday morning cartoons and things like that. Were you more of a Cartoon Network kid or more of a Nickelodeon kid? Oh, God, you are, you are asking the hard-hitting questions, let me tell you. That's what I'm here for. Oh, goodness. Uh, man, it, it's such a periodic thing. Um, like the Monday Night Wars every year has a certain draw and appeal. Um, Cartoon Network for me, I would have to say towards the, the later time slots because they had the Cartoon Cartoon Fridays and they were more, uh, mm-hmm. they were, man, that's such a tough one. Jeez, Zach, now you, you put me on the spot. I wasn't prepared for that. Uh, Okay. If I was thinking of more commercial for me, which which appealed to me, I'd have to. I I'd say Nickelodeon for the sole fact that the the diverse like content. You know, you go from eight o'clock Rugrats, eight thirty Keenan and Cal, all that live action to cartoons, back and forth kind of deal. Um, that 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 would appeal to me most. Um. Out of all that, I'd say my favorite cartoon is the Rugrats. Um, really interesting. Yeah, I'm a huge so Rugrats that, guy. So, so now, now that leads me to something—a uh, weird admittance on my part—and then, but first, I want to learn from you. So, what is it about Rugrats that really spoke to you? What was it that really grabbed you? And do you? What was your favorite character? And do you have a favorite episode? Oh yes. Um, favorite episode, first and foremost, the Mega Diaper Babies. Were was the Avengers? Well, that's, that's not even fair. That was like they got your letters and they were like, "All right, this one's for Nova." You were like, "Oh, come, yes, please." Chris, that Chris was Curley. that's my Avengers before the 2012 movie. <laughs> that's that's the Avengers for me was the Mega Diaper Babies because it was just like it was so outlandish and so cool. And to answer your question, what sticks out about it? Um, one of my favorite. Disney Pixar movies um, is is Toy Story. I love uh, the idea of toys coming to life when you're not looking. And I was a kid who was always surrounded by a bunch of toys and stuff like that. I would, you know, you, you, a lot of my creativity comes from just playing with uh, different wrestling toys and Batmans and you name it. Um, But how they can coexist in a universe, that's why. That's where a lot of my base cre- creativity comes from because I spent a lot of hours just creating just multiple universes and stuff like that. But the idea of when you're not around, when the human is not around, they come to life. So it's just like with Rugrats, it's just like when the adults aren't around, these kids are talking and stuff like that and these wild imagination and they go on these trips and stuff like that. And it's it's episodes – uh, you feel like it's it's just like oh man when I was a kid when I was a baby I would think of something like this like uh, for example that the episode where oh, I forgot who it was swallows the seed I think it was Chucky swallows the watermelon yes. seed yes and and these kids shriek down his eyes and they go inside to stop the watermelon from going inside him and as a kid it's just like I'm not gonna lie you know that was my no worst of course experience. when you hear that. Oh, you can't swallow watermelon seeds because then one will grow inside you. Your immediate thought is not like, oh, well, it'll pass through my system and I'll be fine. Your immediate thought is like, all right, how can science fix this? How do yeah. we have a space adventure go in my tum-tum and figure this out for me? It's like, oh, I'm definitely a goner. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> watermelon, I'm going to grow. And it's just like people are going to have to shrink down and crawl inside me and, and save my life. And it's just like, and then you kind of think like, you know, I had watermelon like a week ago, like, am I too late? Like, um, I, I, 
<laughs> so for Rugrats, just the idea of like when the adults are away, this this is when they come to life. Like this is this is they become you. You know, you like when when nobody's around, it's it's your best self. You understand what I'm saying? If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like. <laughs> so so here so here's my thing that I have to talk about because we I don't think we've ever brought up Rugrats in the history of this show. Yeah. So I have a memory and I cannot explain it. I have no I don't know why. Maybe somebody out there, maybe one of the dozens and dozens can study this and get back to me. There's an episode of the Rugrats and it's dealing with bullying. And there's this older baby on the playground and the baby it's like the kid likes candy and, mm-hmm. and so the kid is bullying the rugrats and tommy finally stands up to the bully and the bully ends up i think he gets like shoved off the mm-hmm. swing or something or the mm-hmm. slide and gets gum in their hair and then mm-hmm. they like they run and cry and then yeah. when they come back to the park they see it and the bully's there but now like the bully's head is shaved because they had mm-hmm. gum in their hair. Yeah. And the yeah. bully comes up to talk to Tommy and mm-hmm. asks if, I think Tommy asks if like they have any gum or something like that. And the bully says, no, I've got carrot sticks. And it's like yes. kind of like, oh, okay, well, the yeah. bully learned it's less. I don't know why. I cannot tell you why. Mm-hmm. I'm like 13 years old, mm-hmm. 12 years old, something like that. I see that episode. I had already seen it like a half dozen times. Mm-hmm. I see it. That moment happens, the bully's got carrot sticks, and I start crying my eyes out. Oh, yeah. And to oh. this day, mm-hmm. I do not know why. I don't know what it is about that yeah. scene or that episode, but it is cutting something real deep. There was something deep and dark in here that mm-hmm. I do not want that I do not want to investigate oh, okay. as to why it makes me cry. I don't know. And I haven't watched it since. I it's clear it's burned into my brain. I've not watched the episode since because I'm afraid of what's gonna happen. Yeah. And man, I'm so glad you said that. Jeez, Louise. Um, and this is why Rugrats is my favorite, um, because the amount of of life lessons it it, it teaches us kids. Um, well, I can't say us now. I'm a grown man, but you know, <laughs> no, I was very thrilled that you said. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, but let's be kids forever. No, yeah, and it's it's literally the life lessons that you you really you don't you don't learn at home. You don't learn at school. You don't. You don't learn how to interact with other people until you interact with other people. And Rugrats, it has a special place in my heart because so many life lessons and, and so much value in life, it taught me to appreciate. Like, for example, that episode is, is, is a great one. And this is why now it's just like as far as like I'm kind of the positive person that I am because – and this is why – when I interact with people who are a-holes and totally B-words, you know, I don't know if we can curse on this or not, but... I think I've already swore, like, twice already, so we're good. <laughs> but stuff like that, it's... it's Oh, man, it's, I'm so glad you brought that up. Just the life lessons. It, I, I didn't learn, like, for example, I didn't learn about Kwanzaa and Hanukkah until Rugrats showed me. True, yeah. I, I didn't learn how not to judge people until the episode of Rugrats with the Scottish baby and yeah. wearing skirts. And isn't that for girls? And it's just like, no, you know, we're all, you know, we all have different customs and stuff like that. Oh man, this is just so many episodes. I, I'd recommend Rugrats for any, any family. Like that's, that's the one for me. Cause it just so many life lessons on that show. Um, and it, and it takes you to this emotional state cause it takes you, to a time and a place in your life when you experience that happen to you where, you know, you are getting bullied and you see the bully, you know, in a different state of mind, how, how they learn from, you know, their mistakes and stuff like that. And like, this isn't the way it's like, I I've, I've sworn never ever to hit my, any of my brothers because of the Rugrats. The one scene in the movie when they're lost in the woods, uh, where Tommy and, and Dill, well, Tommy's yelling at Dill with the the bananas yes and i bald still to this day i cannot go back and watch it because i'm an emotional wreck when that scene comes on yeah but but scenes like that is just where 
even when we were kids, you know, me and my brothers, you would get into trouble. We would always fight. You know, we're three boys growing up. Um, we were outrageous, but it, scenes like that, like, really uh, hold the place in my heart because it's just like, man, I, I, I would never want to see my little brother or my older brother in that state, you know, or... No, I think you make a great point. As silly as 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 it was portrayed, yeah. it, those types of cartoons really put a lot of things in perspective, for, especially for young people. Like that was really, like you said, there were times where cartoons were filling in gaps that just life didn't yet. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. So let me flip this on you then. So obviously, Rugrats is is top tier for you. Absolutely. What is bottom of the barrel? What is the cartoon that you're like, ugh, trash? Ren and Stimpy. Oh my really? god! That is the just the most disgusting. Like when I uh, when I babysit my nephews or uh, stuff like that, and we'll like channel through cartoons and stuff. Ren and Stimpy's on. It's just like that is the one order I give to the children. I'm usually all for the kids and letting the kids, you know, be themselves and you know watch what they enjoy and stuff like that. But my one rule with kids, um, if they're under my parental guardians, you know, if I'm, if I'm the supervised chaperoning kids or watching kids or anything like that, like in my family, um, the one rule is you cannot watch Ren and Stimpy because it's just, it's, it's absolutely just filthy humor. It's, it's disgusting. The animation is so disgusting to me. I, ugh, it just, it makes me like throw up inside. Like even as a kid, <laughs> like watching just the animation and just like, it's just so so, so let me yeah. ask you that: is it is it because of the animation style, like, or, or are you a, against, like, just over the top, super absurdist humor? Like, did you ever watch Freakazoid or um, even Tiny Toons? Kind of got into that sometimes, yeah. or like Animaniacs yeah. sometimes get really yeah. absurd. Is it really just the super gross out? Because Rocco's Modern Life got gross at times. Oh yeah, yeah. Rocco's is, <laughs> is, is another disgusting one. Is it, which... is it the Subject matter, or is it really the art style that really puts you off? The subject and the art together. Like, it was just, it was, it's, it's like literally somebody, like, I can assume, like, I, if I would have closed my eyes and, and envisioned the person who, who wrote that, I just assume some 300 pounds smelly guy living in his mom's basement, just stubble hair, just grotesque leftover sandwich on his desk, like, I, I envision that guy writing that just just disgusting, like a disgusting human being. Like it's just, just gross to be gross, basically. Yeah, it's just like I understand like certain cartoons, like a freak is ordered rocker. Well, not rocker was modern life because that I think that was a joke in itself with producers. Like, let's see how far, let's see how much we can get away with. Kind yes, of. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but Ren and Stimpy, man, it's just it's just so grotesque and just. It's not funny. It's not like any. I was, of... This is like the most hipster take you've given so far. That like yeah, right it's, is, on the, yeah, is on the shit list. Bottom of the barrel for me. I'd never watch another episode of that. It's and I don't know any kids around. Like if there's a conversation about cartoons, because I enjoy like man. Let's 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 let this is. Let me show you. This is what I like as far as like growing up and stuff like that. Like what's hot right now. Like, what's a popular cartoon? Like, what's everybody watching? What's everybody talking about? Because everything's periodic. You know, it's not my time anymore. You know, as a kid, you know, when I was the target audience base, this is what's what stood out to me, you know? Like, what's what do you kids watch now, you know? Um, Let me ask you this. Because you mentioned growing up with a lot of cartoons and a lot of TV. Um, do you remember that? Okay, so the generation before me, there was a lot of talk about, like, you know, playing outside and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd come home from school and leave the house and I wouldn't come home until it was time for dinner, like that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. But I grew up, a lot of my childhood was in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so when it's 90 plus degrees outside, you're not just hanging out all day. This is not an option. You'll die of heat stroke. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I remember there being a lot of time where I was watching things on TV that I didn't particularly enjoy, mm-hmm. but it beat the hell out of going outside. Oh yeah. Oh, like yeah. I remember watching like say by the bell. I remember watching Hey dude. I remember oh, watching, um, salute your shorts. Yep. And I don't really have fond memories of any of those shows. I'm not necessarily saying they're awful, 
but I just don't have any fond memory. I wasn't like, oh, Screech, how are you going to get out of this one? I'm just like, well, uh, I refuse to go outside, so I guess I'm watching this instead. Um, who man, Saved by the Bell, you don't have any fond memories of that? There was an entire summer. I, and this was in middle school. This is, well, Saved by the Bell is way past my time, but there was yeah. an entire summer. I've literally watched every season and every episode of that show back to back because on, I believe it was TBS, they have like maybe like a two hour block where they play like reruns and stuff like that. And you get like two episodes of Saved by the Bell. And I literally, religiously, it was 12 to 12 to one o'clock in the uh, 12 o'clock noon, they would play Saved by the Bell. And I religiously sat in front of the TV that summer and watched that. But uh, growing up in New York, uh, I did. I I spent a lot of time outside as well, but with the weather and stuff like that, you know, you get your summers, you get your falls. It gets cold. You know, you don't want to be outside that long. Yeah, okay, and stuff so like yeah, that. so same idea, but just different different uh, season. You yeah, know, yeah. When it's when it's you know twenty below out, you're not like yeah, let's go play. You're like you know what? Yeah. Golden Girls. It is. I guess we're watching this instead. We're not. You know. Okay, so you want to go to those shows? So like, um, I'm just saying, I, it was a lot of daytime TV that I was yeah, like, I guess I'm yeah. watching this. Um. Man, it's just different hours of the day. You would, you would, uh, I remember coming home from school and immediately was, uh, you know, your homework and you eat and stuff like that. But, uh, what I would watch, I had a, it was four o'clock to five o'clock was, uh, ABC Family. Back then it was Fox Family. Uh, my main show, like, you know, certain shows got a draw. To certain kids and stuff like that you have to be a re- you have to have a reason to stay home and watch something and, and then you go outside and you you, you go act the right. fool you know uh but fox family used to have big wolf on campus and that oh, was I'm, like, oh my god i haven't thought yeah. about big wolf on campus in i don't know how long that Jesus was my- that was my that, i stumbled over that and i'm like this is it and i so happened to catch it at the second episode oh okay so you're in early I was in there early and I religiously watched that because the idea of it was just so, oh man, it's just like, cause I, I love universal monsters. So I love werewolves and Dracula and, and Frankenstein and stuff like that. Um, but the fact that there's a, a crime fighting werewolf that just like fights these other, like these universal horror movie, you, you would find like these black and white movies you would see on AMC or the movie channel and stuff like that. Like I thought that was the wildest thing. And then they would give uh, the new Adams Family, which Adams Family is one of my favorites. Um, and then you'd switch over to uh, Toonami. You watch Dragon Ball Z. And okay, stuff yeah. Like that. Um, but aside from like where I'm not the target audience, like uh, there were many times where like uh, I would stay with either. Like, I would go hang out with my neighbor who lived next door to me and stuff like that. She was an older woman who used to watch uh, a lot of Supermarket Sweep. And, like, yeah, these, there we <laughs> go. These ridiculous game shows and stuff like that. On, you remember uh, that beep. Think about all the fun you could have on Supermarket Sweep, oh, baby. Yeah, I thought I always thought those were so cool, those talk show hosts and stuff like that with the mic. I, I always... Well, I was going to say, similar to your Odyssey, where you watched mm-hmm. every episode of Say by the Bell for a mm-hmm. summer... There was a semester of college where I was addicted to watching Match Game 1975 because we had the Game Show Network. It was like yeah. one of like the ten channels on campus. Yeah. So I would just watch the shit out of that. So there's like celebrities I've never heard of in like 1978 that are like, yeah. oh, fill in the blank. Like, mm, uh, how about you bet your bippy? And I'm just yeah. like, this is, old. This is the greatest it's, show yeah, ever made. It's literally, man, uh, television, is, television is such a place – and like why I am the way I am with I, I've always wanted like pro wrestling of course is it's my it's what I love and I, it's just like I would love to be invited to one of these shows invited as the wrestler Aaron Nova because um I, I'm a huge fan of like these crossovers like these special guest appearances and stuff like that especially with wrestlers I don't know if you remember a show uh of course you Dilbert you gotta know Dilbert yes Dilbert. yes I was actually a huge Dilbert fan for some damn reason that, that comic was not written for us as kids but I was like yeah you know what that office life is crazy like I don't know what the hell was the draw but yeah but, yeah, but <laughs> Dilbert like 
pro wrestling was at the height and like 98 yes. 99 and like yes. all these special guest characters but like i always i always loved like stone cold was a special guest on all these different shows and stuff like that so dilbert was one of them but one that really like celebrity death match oh man yeah. stone yeah. cold was like a regular on that show it's just like i was i love the claymation and stuff like that like the, the ridiculous fights to the death is with these other celebrities but like stone cold's voice like he just it's like wow stone cold is like he was a cultural icon at that time. He really was. Oh, man. Like, it's so hard. See, I'm, like, stumbling over my words right now. It's so hard. So it's like Mad TV. Yes. Because um, there was – wait, wait, wait. Mad TV, because that started because Will Sasso could do a great impression of Stone Cold. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then oh. that got that tied in. And then there was that feud where Bret Hart came on Mad TV and hit Will Sasso with a chair, and that like spun into a feud. Yeah, like, WCW, they brought him in, and like, yeah, there was like a whole oh, to do about that. But yeah, Mad TV is like up there, all time favorite shows. Like sketch yep. comedy shows, like of course Saturday Night Live. It, I didn't really get into Saturday Night Live at the time, like because Mad TV was just so like ridiculous to me. <laughs> like I, the well, it, was still, Mad TV. it was still willing to get weird. SNL had kind of fallen into a groove at that time. Yeah. And yeah. Mad TV was still so young and hungry that they were willing to get real weird with it. And they had the guys like Stone Cold and Triple yeah. H and, and Bret Hart on the show. And oh man, I even I don't even know what was the question. Zach, uh, just, we're going down we've, the rabbit we've gone hole. Right down, I'll say we've gone down several rabbit holes here. So um Eight Time uh, TV, sorry, yeah. Saturday night, uh I'm sorry, Mad TV was late night comedy. Yes. Daytime TV, supermarket sweep, uh, yes, game shows excellent. like Jeopardy and stuff like that. Um, oh man, this this my Married with Children is another one I always love. That's another one I remember watching and just being like, why am I watching this? Like, this does not appeal to me as like I'm you know twelve years old. I don't have a wife and kids. Why am I watching this show? But well, I, just, I do remember my routine was uh, come home from school, uh, do homework. And then it was like, definitely Toonami, definitely watching Dragon Ball Z and some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember always eating dinner and watching The Simpsons. My parents and I would always sit down with my brother and my sister. We'd all watch The Simpsons while we were Simpsons. eating. I remember that. And that was back in the good days when Simpsons Oh, was- yeah. Uh, but that's just, like, uh, Simpsons was one, like, I got into because, uh, like, you're a kid, you know, you're always at your cousin's house, you're always at a friend's house, you know, everybody has an acquired taste, and I remember my introduction to Simpsons was uh, my uh, staying over my aunt's house and my cousin was just like, oh, it's 7 o'clock, it's 7 o'clock, and they were all, like, rushing to the TV just to watch The Simpsons, and I thought that was stuff like that, like, wow, I, you know, I have shows that make me feel that way, so it's always right. interesting to watch other people's, like, reaction to certain shows and stuff like that, but yeah, Simpsons... <laughs> I, I could go. I could literally put on any episode of Simpsons, and I know I'm just gonna have a good time watching it because it's just so ridiculous. Like, so so. Let me jump back to a previous thing that you mentioned, specifically uh, the first ever Big Wolf on Campus reference in the show's history. Um, so you mentioned being a big uh, Universal Monsters fan, and oh yeah, I am as well. So this is a big. This is another rabbit hole to jump down. Mm-hmm. Um, with us being in the state of Florida. Uh, mm. and you know Universal Studios just mm. up the street in Orlando. Um, have you done any of like the Halloween Horror Nights or any of those things? Are you a, a haunted house yes. guy? Okay. Uh, I'm not a haunted house guy. I'm a big softy. Uh, like jump scares, like you know, I'm the worst. And like people like laugh at me when I react like in the ring and I do these weird screams and stuff like that. That literally comes from a place of jump scares. Like I was a huge right, chick. That's fair. I was a huge chicken, like, afraid of the dark, like, <laughs> growing up and stuff like that. But, like, um, Halloween Horror Nights, I did do uh, uh, two or three of them in the recent year. I've been in Florida for, like, ten years now. Um, for me, I, I what I admire about the haunted houses, though, is the amount of detail they have mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for certain movies. Like, uh, man, I did the Freddy vs. Jason one. Um, the Purge ones was always cool. Like, I just... I, can we I talk love- about the Freddy versus Jason for a minute? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being scariest thing you've ever seen in your life, 1 being dog balls, 
how would how would you rate the effect of when the Jason is holding the fake like Freddy Krueger basically like human pinata and it's yeah. pretending to throw him and it's yeah. just like on a little it's like on a little gurney like yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, man. The <laughs> oh man I I I was really excited about that one because I love Freddy versus Jason um, literally the rabbit hole of Big Wolf on campus like is like. Just the idea of like crossovers and, mm-hmm. and universes colliding. Like I'm always a fan of stuff like that. Um, universes coexisting. So Freddy versus Jason was big for me. So I, years, you know, years later when I went back to it, uh, the one thing I admired was like you go from Cram- Camp Crystal Lake and then you go to Elm Street and like yep. the terrifying thing to me was the the the, the little girls playing jump rope and then yep. like the strobe lights come on and they don't have a face or like their eyes are all screwed up. It was just, Oh my God. That like, that was terrifying for me aside from the pop scares and stuff like that with the, with the hands and the machete and stuff. It was just so like, man, they really took me on this wild trip. So you get the both, the best of both worlds. You get, mm-hmm. you get your Friday the 13th run and then you get your Elm street and then they coexist when the fight happens and stuff like that. I, I absolutely love that one. That one stands out to me the most. Um, well, but... and, and that was, I feel, unfair because they had so many years of doing a Crystal Lake house and doing a, an Elm Street house that they could pick and choose what are yeah. the best set pieces, what are the best scares from that. Oh, and yeah. then I feel, so I agree, like when you're going in the first part and you're getting all that set up, mm-hmm. incredible. Once they had to interact, then I feel like it fell off the tracks because it was yeah. like, well, yeah. we've got two character actors who are pretending to fight in front of people. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a weird thing to deal with. That's the cheesy part. Like, you're just yeah. like, oh, man, like, you just got to love it. Because it's just like, wow, I'm really, like, they really, somebody was just in an office somewhere. It's just like, I got it. I got it. This is it right here. What, instead of trying to scare people, we're just going to have the fight right there, like, in front of them. And then, like, they'll turn around and do something weird and stuff. So, Scale of one to ten, like the Elm Street part scares the crap out of me. Um, okay. Aside from Camp Crystal Lake, you know the the pop scares. So I, I'd go with uh, I, I'd go with a six as far as scary, but the cheesiness to it is a a freaking ten for me. Oh, like, absolutely! I absolutely. love the cheesiness, but like, oh man, fear is such a weird thing. Like with like horror movies and stuff, um, sounds really like complimented like i remember going into the american uh werewolf in london yes house, and they had that was that i feel like was a trendsetter for them because that was the house where they just did the whole movie you just yeah. walked through the entire movie it wasn't like a oh well here's like some ideas from that movie or here's like a couple of scenes you walked in and you were on the moor at night and you walked into the pub that yeah. had the people that gave you the warning. Like you went through the entire movie, and I oh, feel yeah. like once that did so well, suddenly yeah. it was. Now we're gonna do a Ghostbusters one. Now we're gonna do a Purge one. Now yeah. we're gonna do this and that, which is fine. I don't have a problem with them, but I distinctly remember American Werewolf in London yeah. scaring the piss out of me. Yeah, like as far as like the fear part of it was cool because it, it had the the thunder, it had the rain, and then it had the mm-hmm. growling, continuous growling. Like that that I just remember like. And then towards the end, you finally see the werewolf and the lightning hits and the strobe lights and the, and the rain and the thunder. And like, I'm really, I felt like really just crouching up on a ball. Like, oh my God, he's going to get me right now. <laughs> yeah, just like, absolutely. Rip me to shreds. Like, you know, cause like certain horror movies, yeah, you're getting cut, but to be eaten by a freaking werewolf is just like in the rain at that, which is just like, oh man, now I'm just going to go down easy. He's just going to wash it down with some, <laughs> with some rainwater. It's just I've like, been marinated. Yeah, um, it's just, <laughs> That's just that one was the scariest one for me. So uh, before we we move away from Universal Monsters, I have to ask you the same question. So it sounds like Werewolf is your number one tier of of favorite or the most scary potentially monster. I want to know what is top monster for you and what is weakest monster for you. Uh, top monster for me is Godzilla, of course. Godzilla. That's, that's not a Universal monster. That's a total. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, sorry. We're still on Universal. <laughs> Uh, as far as fear, yeah, scariest werewolf. universal monster for me, shark from Jaws. No, come on, we got it. With the, no, 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 I'm glad you like said that. Universal. When I I went to Universal many moons ago when I was a kid, uh, back when you know New Yorkers vacationed in Florida, and then eventually they just stay here. 
so the big thing for us at the time, or anybody in New York, is a, is a vacation trip to Florida because the Universal Studios and, and all this, all the parks and stuff like that, uh, not so much Disney, but Universal would be a top for me and my family. But uh, my very first time in Universal was the first ride was Jaws. And I remember that so vividly. And it was how, just... How old first, are you? How old are you? I had to have been probably like eight or nine. Okay. And it was the absolutely most terrifying experience to me. This hold is on, hold on. So you're eight or nine. You're going through the queue in the boathouse. Mm-hmm. There's the TVs. They're playing the cheesy like... Amity's reopened and we're all cashing in on the shark thing. Where does your family put you on the boat? Right by the window, of course. Oh my God. You and I have shared the same origin story, my friend. Yeah. 100% down to the details, sat me right on the edge of that boat. Oh, yeah. And I I didn't think that because I didn't see Jaws. I didn't. I didn't. Because you're eight. You don't know what this is. Yeah. It's just like, you know, my sharks were. Were freaking the street sharks. That's my version. Yeah. The my sharks were were these cartoon sharks. Like that's the only sharks I knew of. Right. But an actual shark. Uh, my first introduction was the Jaws ride. So of course I was tortured, and because I well, my family probably hates me, so they're gonna sit me on the window. And oh man, it's just that the first thing that scared me to death was the first shotgun sound. Mm-hmm. And you see the water exploding, and then you see the fin, yep. and it's, oh, my yep. goodness. Like, oh, my God, like, this is the real deal. Like, why? <laughs> and then and then you have to go in the boathouse. You're going to wait for for the sheriff uh, yeah, to come. I, so you go hide in the boathouse. So now it's pitch black. Oh, yeah. And it's, <laughs> oh, my God, the boathouse scene. Oh, man. And then you see everything, like, ripped to shreds and stuff. Right, because the shark's banging into the boathouse, so stuff's starting to fall down. Oh, yeah. So when it starts attacking the boat and then, you know, it starts maneuvering and stuff like that, I'm bawling at this point. I'm like, stop the ride. Get me to safety now. Like, it is important that I get on land (laughs) where I can't be eaten by a shark. I'm in his house. So that was was your first ride of the day was Jaws? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Now, now here's my question. This is where I, I, I question how similar our origins are here. You so you get you've survived somehow you've defied the odds and oh, you've okay. survived. Yeah. What's next? How ang- how angry are you with your family at that point? I'm I am all right. So here's here, this is even funnier. I'm damning them all to hell at this point, like, right? Because they're just laughing at me, and you, I'm just like, you don't know. We were about to get eaten by sharks. Like, why? Right. Are you not, how are you not taking this serious? There's sharks in the water. And then <laughs> the way to follow up Jaws is King Kong. And it's just, oh, uh, my God. come on. And no <laughs> mercy. King Kong was just another petrifying ride. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, again, like, my hero is Godzilla. Like, so you're waiting there the whole time. You're like, come on. Where is he? <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, I watched the cartoon. Like, I know he's coming somewhere. Like, he has to save us. And it was just, again, I was, I was petrified. I was bawling. There's a giant ape swinging at us, and it was just the most wackiest stuff, man. And at this point, like, now I'm watching these rides with my eyes closed. Terminator, my eyes are closed. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the, what was the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Well, that was a stage show. You had, so at this point in this era, yeah. you've got Jaws, you've got King Kong, you've got Terminator 2, you've got Back to the Future. Back to the you've Future. You've got, um, what else would there have been? Maybe Twister. That might have Twister, been a thing. Yeah, Twister is another one. Um, <laughs> it, was so, a, it was disaster movie. Uh, the disaster. Yeah, ride. disaster because it wasn't earthquake anymore. It was disaster uh, with Christopher Walken. Um, Man, so I'm like, so now like oh god. <laughs> so my my story after Jaws. So exact same situation. I'm too young to have seen the movie. I'm stuck on the side of the boat. We get off the ride. I'm furious at my family. I'm furious. Don't I don't talk to them for probably an hour and a half, which when you're, you know, eight or nine, that's a lifetime. Yeah, that's forever. Like they're dead to me. Like these I'm not and, going home. I'm gone. <laughs> and my 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 psychopath serial killer moment is we go on Twister later on in the day. Yeah. 
and we're standing there and it's a whole for anybody who never rode the ride it was more of like a show than a ride but like they basically reenacted like a twister happening in front of you and there's like a effect <clears throat> yeah. with smoke and it's tearing stuff up and stuff like that it's it's a lot of sound and a lot of um oh, stimulus all at once oh, my mom is standing next to me and she is bawling her eyes out because mm-hmm. my mother grew up in Kansas mm-hmm. and dealt with genuine tornadoes oh. Oh, as man. a child. She is reliving trauma mm-hmm. next to me. And all I'm thinking is, good. Yeah. This <laughs> is like my trauma with sharks that I've never been around. It's <laughs> the worst introduction. Right now. now you have to deal with it too, mom. So... Twister was fun for me because I was around, that's the one movie I did catch because I don't know if you remember the Superstation used to have a dinner and a movie. Oh my god, I loved dinner and a movie. Oh man, those yeah, that's how I, I got introduced to a lot of the the, the classic eighties and and early nineties right. stuff. Um, but yeah, Twister. I was familiar with Twister because I I did watch that one and just that ending always just like oh God, finally they made it. <laughs> Bill Paxton, thank God. It's like the finger of God. Um, yeah, yeah, so my yeah. so a you still didn't pick what's best monster worst monster. Okay, so yes, best best universal monster to me, uh, Frankenstein. Frankenstein is uh, the big guy's draw for me. Frankenstein is <laughs> is 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 the heavyweight champ to me, and I was also I'm a huge believe it or not huge monsters fan. Um, oh yeah, of course. So if you were a huge Adams Family fan, I would imagine you yeah. would have been. In- yeah. Not, quite, that's a, not quite the rivalry that you would expect. Yeah, when I was a kid, I'm thinking like, oh, this is like a prequel show for Lurch. Like, I thought Lurch was... That would have been a great crossover. Herman, <laughs> Herman, but I used to like, when you used to stay up really, really late on certain channels, they'll give like reruns of these old episodes, like Nick at Night and stuff. Yeah, I, I, don't yeah, believe, yeah. I don't believe it was on Nick at Night, it was another channel. Um, But I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that, so I, I always love Frankenstein because of that, of Herman Monster and, and, and Lurch. Well, Lurch, I don't think, is really Frankenstein. It's but supposed Frank- to kind of be that, but... Yeah, yeah. It's something like that, but Frankenstein uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, bottom of the list, probably the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm, you're dead to me. Uh, That's so- only because, hold on, that's because of Jaws. <laughs> okay, well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Just because, I like, I watched Creature in the Black Lagoon, and I always loved the way he looked, but it's, like, as far as, like, fear, like, huh, maybe he's a humanoid, so I just got to sweep the legs, like, you know. That's true. That's true. But Get him a shark, body bag. I can't body slam a shark. I can't, I can't work a shark, you know? So that's why, when it comes to the water, like, definitely sharks do it for me. And that's, now I love sharks, but, like, my fear of the water, uh, deep, the deep ocean, Still terrifies me. Um, love sharks. Won't be in, hanging out in the ocean anytime soon, so I'm good with that. Uh, but yeah, Creature of the Black Lagoon. As a, as a quick aside here, before we leave Universal Studios, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the potentially greatest crossover of a couple of things that we've talked about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, pro wrestler cameos and game shows. Uh, I have to give a shout out to the episode of Super Sloppy Double Dare, where Mr. Perfect went up against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Okay, yep, Double Dare. Fantastic. If you can find it on YouTube, definitely watch it. It is very, very good. Uh, Mr. Perfect is fully in gimmick and ends up feuding with Mark Summers, the host, and I wanted that for WrestleMania so bad, I wanted them to fight (laughs) on the pay-per-view. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jim Duggan went back a few, when it was Double Dare 2000, and then with WCW. There is another episode. You're right. I don't remember. I know there's one. Vito. I think Vito was yes. the one that And there was, was also an earlier episode where it's um, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, man. Oh, God, that was, so that's, I, that's, I hard that to, that's hard to find. Um, so I, I have to do a quick pause here. I do mm-hmm. need to ask one of our famous questions here, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Trevin Adams Memorial question. Since you are uh, landed in New York originally and, you know, you've traveled a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to you're on the road, you just finished up, you, you killed another gig, full standing ovation, the people love you as always. And so on your ride home, you're getting grumblies in the tumblies. Do mm-hmm. you prefer to stop at a Sheets or a Wawa? Uh, 
<clears throat> Let's see. For one, what did, you got to just a sheets. I'm not familiar with the term. Oh, sheets is a, is an actual rival of Wawa. That's actually like a farther up north, and I think oh, okay. further west version of uh, or uh, if it's if it's the northern stuff. I'm, I'm I haven't really been on the road in New York. Mm. All, all my road work has been from out here. So when I'm in New York, I'm literally because I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the inner city. So like my customs to that are different from here here like the worker aaron like i definitely stop at a gas station uh i'm not getting a full hoagie like or a full sandwich and stuff like that because usually my car rides are forever and i have the worst bladder uh heads up to anybody who wants to ride with me he's got a bladder the size of a thimble uh let's eat when we get there (laughs) or something light (laughs) on the way there because i am the absolute worst like Guys will tell you, like, even Kent will tell you, like, man, I, I, I stop a couple of times to go to the bathroom. Um, if, we, if we eat, like, a full meal, like, if we sit down and eat somewhere, bad idea. I drink a lot of sweet teas and lemonades and stuff like that. Um, so gas stations, yeah, Wawa's definitely up there for me. And 7-Elevens. I'm a 7-Eleven kind of guy. That's fair. So let me jump to this topic. Um, now I've seen on social media, you've certainly given some takes here and there about the vice, uh, documentary series, dark side of the ring. Oh yes. I've, I've created my own series. Yes. Uh, Well, uh, before we get there, there was, there was, I did see a couple of people, um, mentioning that they felt that dark side of the ring was doing more harm to Mm. wrestling now than good. And I was very curious because I know you've. You've watched a lot of it. I know you've got opinions on it, mm-hmm. but I'm curious, as someone who is a wrestler, mm-hmm. do you feel Dark Side of the Ring is hurting the business, or is it is it hurting the business, is it helping the business, or is it having no real effect? Uh, to me, surprising answer. I, I think it's helping the business, surprisingly. As far as, uh, it, it really can't hurt the business, because for one, it it, it, it the documentary style of it and the mis- the mystery style of it, like, I don't know, well, of course, you know, Unsolved Mysteries, who, uh, Unsolved Mysteries um, with the score and the certain angles, it's like Unsolved Mysteries for wrestlers to me, so it's a great That's concept. true, yeah, we, uh, Chris Jericho playing Robert Stack here, if we're doing this uh, connection yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, he just doesn't have that, like, really, like... Omnius voice. That yeah, and he doesn't voice. have the big. He doesn't have the big trench coat on that he comes out at the end. Yeah, which is just like, dude, where, where are you right now? Like, you're not a private investigator. You're just an yeah. actor. Why are yeah. you dressed up like that? Why are you so inconspicuous? <laughs> like, what's going on? But uh, to me, because it, it, I think it it really appeals to people who are fans of the mystery side mm-hmm. of certain things and like, um. Man, how do I say it? Uh, yeah, people. I, I think it attracts people, and then for the wrestlers itself, uh, uh, for one wrestler's got an opinion about everything. Everybody's different. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, it can. I don't. I don't see it hurting because it's. It's literally. It's no different. It's. It's way more entertaining than a story you'd find on a podcast. You hear from one guy. Um, it's. It's. It's very colorful and just the style of it. It, it really. It. To me, it's reminiscent of Unsolved Mysteries. So uh, the fact that we have a show, uh, wrestling was invited to that style of TV show is, I, th- I see it as a win. So you're thinking, a- are, are, you, are you thinking that it's, it's got the potential to bring, is it bringing wrestling back to mainstream a little bit more? I'm not going to say that it's doing all the heavy lifting, I think. Uh, yes, you know, yes, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's slowly... Because for me, if you if you have a conversation about that with the wrestler, that'll that'll be an answer. It's hurting the biz or something like this. But if 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 a casual fan addresses you like, "Hey, I know you watch wrestling. You know, I watched the show the other night. Can we talk about it?" And boom, right there, you just got a wrestling fan. You know, mm-hmm. so the the more fans, the more appeal to different styles, different tastes, and stuff like that. I think it invites more fans. The more fans is more money, more ticket sales and stuff like that. So I, I see it as a win. I see it as an attraction for casual fans and an appeal for us wrestlers since it's it's 
it's the stories we've always wondered as, and you only hear in certain locker room tales and stuff like that. Um, they dive deep into it and they just produce such a, like just the cuts, the, the little act out, the, the moment, the reenactments. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's fascinating to me. So, well, I think you've absolutely cracked the code with the unsolved mysteries connection. I didn't really put that together, but now that you've mentioned, I'm like, they are just ripping off unsolved mysteries. Oh, yeah, like it's, it's very similar. 100%. Um, like, and that's, if you go to like, if you look at it's, it's the style now too. If, if you look deeper into it, like, a lot of the Netflix series that are, that yeah, are really true crime, yeah. true crime has exploded as like a, a pop culture thing now. The making of a murderer, the, mm-hmm. the the these outlandish criminal stories, and these 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 mysteries. Like, oh man, what's the murder? Like, what's the motive? And this and that and stuff like that. So it has that appeal because right now I think you know outside of you know wrestling for me, like that is the hottest style. That is that must see TV right now for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, a lot of casual fans, they're really thirst for that mystery. And like, what's this about? And then you look into it like me, like I find things out like little things. And then I'm the man to research it. Like, man, does this got a documentary and stuff like that? And uh, I always want to study more. So I, I, I can only assume there's other people like that, that you hear one thing and then you read into it and, whoa, they got a story on this. Let me look it up and stuff like that. So I think it, it attracts, a lot of casual viewers to me. With I the think, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree. My my thought, and I, I would love to hear your opinion on it, is mm-hmm. I can see why there would be people involved in the business that would be put off by it. Because if you think about it in terms of any other sport, mm-hmm. if the NBA suddenly was like, hey, Vice is doing a series of, of tell-all documentaries on us, and the first episode is when Michael Jordan quit basketball for two years to go play baseball because he was mm-hmm. in the middle of a gambling controversy yeah. that they hushed up and he yeah. wouldn't play baseball instead and made space jam. Like mm. people who love the NBA would not be like, Oh boy, can't wait to see this. They'd be like, Hey, will you shut the hell up? Like, why are you bringing this up? So I can see why there would be people involved that would be like, yeah. Hey, this isn't great because the documentaries are not like really celebrating anything. Even the new Jack one, which isn't so much a mystery is just yeah. sort of a chronicling of his life in, yeah. in the business doesn't really have like a super positive note to it. It's like, hey, he kind of committed crimes in the ring and no yeah. one told him not to, yeah. you know, that sort of a thing. Um, so I could see why there would be people in, uh, involved in wrestling who would be like, yeah, this isn't a great look for us because it's only negative stories. However, yeah. that being said, it's not, you put it perfectly, it's not like this wasn't already whispered about already. Yeah. There's plenty of, shoot videos out there from people who were involved with the mm-hmm. Brawl for All tournament. There's mm-hmm. plenty of people. Roddy Piper, before he died, talked on Stone Cold's podcast about mm-hmm. Jimmy Snuka murdering his girlfriend. Yeah, like, yeah. These are all things that are already out in the wrestling zeitgeist. Yeah. It's just never really been organized in such a... Uh, yeah, uh, polished uh, up and presentable. Yeah, exactly. like, in a presented know. way. And, it, and it's cool because it some people are not only attracted to the sport for its colorful characters and the athleticism. Some people can be drawn to the, the, I, the mysteries behind it. And now, you know, these are real people and you, you think the mystery in wrestling is gone, but then out comes this documentary and it, it kind of makes you wonder like, like the lifestyle of a wrestler and the lifestyle of these, of these famous people. And it's just like, it, it, it kind of makes you like, okay, like Macho Man being my favorite and Elizabeth and there's people out there who didn't know the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you wonder why it just like, it just vanished out of nowhere. Now you learn about it. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, and then you'll see another wrestler talking on, uh, on it. And then you kind of look up that wrestler. It's just like a domino effect. So it's just like, it has its, its appeal and it, ha- it, it could have its benefits, you know? Now do you, I- feel, do you feel that any part of it is like a cautionary tale to younger wrestlers now? Uh, to any like any of the episodes of this, is there anything that it's like, ooh, yeah, yeah. Like I think particularly with like the Benoit episode. Me personally, it's not my favorite of the season because mm-hmm. it was just a lot of information that was already available. Mm-hmm. However, it did have closure, which was excellent, mm-hmm. and it really definitively kind of put the rest. The idea of it being like roid rage or something like that, where it was like, yeah. no, it's more of a CTE problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, you know. And I think the most telling part was when they mentioned that um, Dynamite Kid had told Benoit at a young age, don't do the flying headbutt. I did the flying headbutt. It mm. screwed me up. 
you know, um, Harley Race said, don't do the flying headbutt. I invented it. It screwed me up. And yeah. Benoit decided to do it anyway. Do you feel yeah. like maybe there's an element of cautionary tale for certain younger wrestlers? Or does it just... Yeah, and, it, and, and it's a lot of, okay, <clears throat> not only within the ring, but outside the ring. Like, oh, you know, Macho Man brought introduced his woman to wrestling, and he lost his woman to wrestling, or... Mm-hmm. Kelvin Sullivan booking his divorce and stuff like that. So, you know, they, they, there's an ounce of realism that everybody can benefit in certain ways. And it's just like, you know, and then wrestlers can see that. And it's just like, well, I don't want to end up like that guy. So let me be more cautious about my in-ring style. Or when I do this move or I notice I feel this way, I should get this check and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think I see it as a benefit because um, these are people who, who, who made it in the industry. These are people who, who pay their bills with wrestling. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get to that level, you, you, you're going to want to hear from, uh, take advice from them and, 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 and see their story and try to, man, you know, I don't want to be like that. Or, you know, maybe I should try doing this a little more. Or, you know, the difference of opinion is, is always there. But I see it as, you know, you could benefit from it. So if I may, let's go ahead and just stop here for now. This will be the uh, the part one of our sit-down interview here with, of course, Captain Nova. Uh, again, thank you so much for the dozens and dozens for listening. Uh, the second half will be out next week. I'm sure it's going to be even crazier than what we're talking about here. And, uh, of course, thanks to our sponsor, Fully Gimmicked. Uh, for any merchandise needs, please go out to fullygimmicked.com. You can pick up Captain Nova's merch there, among other uh, fantastic wrestlers. And uh, please support, uh, follow, tweet at us, message us all over social media, all over the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. And for everyone here behind the scenes, I'm Zach Romero. Until next time, deuces. Hello? Hope I don't poop today. Oh, God, you're so-